A convicted murderer remains on the run. Because we can't find him. We give the detectives their first big break in the case. Guilty to this crime of first-degree murder. He to impose uh, life imprisonment. Guilty. Sentence of life in prison without parole. Hello everyone and welcome to True Crime Corner. My name is Amanda and today we're going to cover the South Florida killer clown murder of 1990. Just a little warning, this case deals with gun violence, death by car accidents, and murder. Please keep this in mind if you continue to listen. The victim of this case is a woman named Marlene. Marlene's parents described her as always friendly, loving, respectful, and curious. She was born in Michigan, where she spent her time with her two sisters on her grandfather's farm. Growing up, she loved to bake, do arts and crafts, and she especially loved to paint clowns. Marlene ended up becoming a mother at a very early age. When she was just 15, she had her first child, John Jr. A few years later, she had her second son, Joey. After the boys were born, her husband at the time tragically passed away in an auto accident. When she was 22, she remarried to a man named Michael Warren. The couple then moved to South Florida to be closer to Michael's family. After the move to Florida, Michael gets a job as a meat inspector and the couple decides to invest in a few rental properties. This investment takes off and the couple decides to move into their dream home in Wellington, Florida. Here, Michael quits his job and opens a used car lot called Bargain Motors. The area they moved to was a very classy, upscale neighborhood. While Marlene fit into this new environment, Michael struggled to. Due to this indifference, Marlene and Michael lived very different lives and did not spend much time together. Marlene spent her time keeping up with the rental properties, while Michael spent his time pursuing his love for airplanes. Neighbors were suspicious of Michael, and for a very good reason. When Michael eventually got his own plane, it ended up stolen and then turned up with a broken engine. Before this incident, he was really into horse races. He ended up having his own horse that raced, but it also went missing and was found dead in a ditch. In the spring of 1983, Michael was arrested for odometer tampering with the cars that he was selling. By setting the odometer back, the cars appeared to have less miles and he could charge more for the cars. He pleaded guilty and ended up serving 18 months probation, but he was able to avoid prison and avoid losing his business. Tragically, on September 23, 1988, Marlene's first son, John Jr., passes away the same way that his father did, in a car crash. This further caused issues with Michael and Marlene's marriage. Around this time, Marlene confided in her neighbors, saying that she feared her husband. She even told her parents that she wanted a divorce, but she was too afraid that Michael was going to kill her. Fast forward a few years, and it's May 26, 1990. It's a rainy Saturday morning at the Warner House. This morning, Michael is at a horse race. Marlene is making breakfast for her son Joey and a few of his friends when around 10.45, she hears a knock on the door. Marlene answers to see a person dressed as a clown holding balloons and flowers. Marlene is excited at the surprise and even claims, Oh, how nice! Before the clown drops the balloons and flowers to reveal a gun. 
Immediately, this person shoots Marlene point-blank in the face. Joey hears a gunshot and runs to the door. He sees a clown running away and getting into a white Chrysler LeBaron and sees his mom laying on the ground. Meanwhile, a neighbor, Bill Kramer, was walking his dog when he heard a gunshot. A group of Joey's friends ran over to the man and frantically told him that someone shot Joey's mom. He runs to his wife, who then calls 911. Police and medics arrive at the crime scene and Marlene is transported to a hospital where she sadly passes away two days later. When the police talked to Joey, he could only identify a clown with brown eyes and a stocky build. He also mentioned the white Chrysler LeBaron that the clown fled in. Due to Joey's description, the police were looking for a man. The day before Marlene's funeral, the white car was found in the parking lot of a Winn-Dixie grocery store. Inside the car, they found orange curly fibers and strands of long brown hair. Although Michael is the initial suspect, he had an alibi being at the horse race. As investigators dig deeper into the life of Michael, they discover a new suspect, a woman named Sheila Keene. Sheila was the wife of one of Michael's employees at the used car lot. When they first met, there was an instant connection. When Sheila divorced her husband, her relationship with Michael grows, and allegedly, at the time of Marlene's murder, the two were having an affair. As investigators now look at Sheila's life, they dig up a lot of information. Sheila grew up in central Florida, and from a young age, she had a criminal history of shoplifting and eventually theft. In her mugshots, Sheila is smiling. She eventually ended up marrying a man named Richard, who was 20 years older than her and was also an active member of the KKK. Richard had his own criminal record, serving time for selling marijuana. When he got out, the couple moved, and this is when Richard started working at Michael's used car lot. At this point, Michael and his entire business was becoming more and more sketchy. Employees at the car lot said that when Michael and Marlene would get into fights, he would come into work raging, saying that he would pay someone $10,000 to kill his wife. Eventually, Sheila would pretend to be a prostitute to attract a new customer that had just bought a car as Michael and her husband Richard would repossess the car. After her divorce, Sheila ended up getting her own apartment. Michael was over there so often that the neighbors actually thought that they were married. Michael's mother recalled an instance where she went along to the racetrack with Sheila and Michael. She asked Sheila if she loved Michael, and she said she did. When she asked Michael the same question, he replied, I love myself. Just before the murder, a couple rented a white Chrysler LeBaron from a nearby shop called Payless Cars. When they went to return the car, they opened up the phone book and saw a big ad for Michael's shop. The top of this ad read, Pay Less in big letters, with the name of the shop, Bargain Motors, written smaller under. The couple got confused and phoned Michael's shop. They were told to just leave the car at the gate and leave the keys on the windshield. This car is now technically stolen and ends up being the exact same car that was used to flee the crime scene. Due to a lack of DNA identifying technology at the time, the hair samples in the car could not be identified. This didn't stop investigators from trying to find answers. Detectives have found where the costume, flowers, and balloons had all been purchased from. 
the employees at the costume shop had reported a lady coming in days before the murder around closing time, desperate to get a costume. She bought a clown costume in face paint. When the ladies working were presented with a police photo lineup, they identified Sheila to be the woman that came in last minute to urgently buy a clown costume. There was a Publix grocery store near Sheila that was the only place that sold the specific balloons found at the scene. One read, you're the greatest, and the other one had a picture of Snow White on it. The Publix employees also identified Sheila on a lineup as the woman who purchased the balloons an hour and a half before the murder. The most shocking discovery was finding out that Sheila had a history of dressing up like a clown in her hometown to entertain people. Although Sheila seemed extremely suspicious, prosecutors didn't think they had enough strong evidence to arrest her. About a year later, Michael and Joey go on a radio show to clear Michael's name. Michael, were you under the impression that you were a suspect from the very beginning? Most definitely. He never. Spouse? Matter of fact, uh, I like to go into detail about that. Joey still believes a man committed the crime and therefore thinks Sheila is innocent. You've either heard about this or been told this or it's been asked of you that the police were suspicious and she is even mentioned as a prime suspect in all of this. Would that shock you that she would be a prime suspect? Yes, it would. Could you tell by their gait or by their mannerisms whether the person was a man or a woman? Well, my, to me, it would seem like a man because what? of the, the, the big hands and the, the size of the person. Despite Joey's opinion, Sheila is still the main suspect. Around this time, Joey was hanging out with a group of very bad kids. One of them did something unexpected when he was around, and Joey was being charged with attempted murder. While at the courthouse, Michael asked a lawyer if a man was going to hire someone to kill his wife, does that mean he wouldn't inherit the estate? The lawyer, not thinking, says, only if another person did it. For example, if you wore a clown suit. The lawyer immediately apologizes, but Michael was unfazed by his comment. Also at this time, the secret relationship between Sheila and Michael became more and more obvious. The two ended up taking a vacation to the Bahamas together, where they were spotted at a luxury resort and casino. The other resort guest noticed the weird demeanor between the two and reported it as a tip to investigators. While on their trip, Sheila was quiet and nervous, while Michael was very loud and talkative. At this time, Michael then goes on another radio show. Have you severed all your business ties with Sheila King? Is she any longer involved in any of your business? No. Are you still using the King Company? I use different repossession companies. All right, but is Keen one of those that yes. you still use? Yes. So you still do have at least some relationship, business relationship with the Keen with, repo with, business? With Mr. Keen. Yes. With Mr. Keen. Have you spoken to Sheila? I've spoken to both of them in the past, yes. When was the last time you spoke to Sheila? Um, about, uh, probably about a month ago. From here, detectives start to dig deeper into Michael's used car business. Shortly after, Michael was placed under arrest once again for odometer tampering. This time, Michael gets nine years in prison. 
the case is slowly growing cold until the son of one of Michael's employees reaches out to the police and claims that he has information that ties Michael to his wife's murder. While on his deathbed, the man confided in his son and told him that the police would find all of their answers if they found a car that was now underwater. He even told them where the car exactly was, where the gun was, and who hid the car. The police sent divers down, and they did find a car in the exact same spot they were told, but they couldn't find a gun or the clown costume. This set the case back to square one. In 2002, Michael and Sheila go to Las Vegas and get married. Marlene's parents are absolutely devastated by this news because they truly believe that Sheila murdered their daughter. In 2013, the case is reopened due to the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office receiving a grant to reopen cold cases. A task force is assembled for this case and is consisted of the FBI and the State Attorney's Office. The task force was able to re-interview witnesses and were able to take almost 30-year-old evidence that was saved and review it. The fact that Michael and Sheila were now married put Sheila right back as the prime suspect. By now, Michael and Sheila have moved to Abington, Virginia, and Sheila has changed her name to Debbie. Because no one in their new town knows about the couple's past, they felt like they had a fresh start. The two ended up opening a successful fast food restaurant in Kingsport, Tennessee. Their neighbors described their relationship by saying you could just tell how much they loved each other. They had great relationships in their new town other than one night when Sheila was drinking with co-workers at a company party. She was intoxicated and confessed that she had essentially gotten away with murder. On September 26, 2017, Michael and Sheila are headed home when they get pulled over. Sheila is then arrested. While she's being detained, she only asked, Is my husband being arrested too? Once again, as she gets her mugshot taken, she is smiling. Sheila pleaded not guilty. At this point, there's a ton of evidence pointing towards her. She had access to the white Chrysler LeBaron that was left at Michael's dealership by accident. The orange wig fibers that were found in the car also matched fibers that were left on the strings of the balloons at the crime scene. And carpet fibers from the car matched up with fibers found on Sheila's shoes and throughout her apartment. She had drunkenly confessed to getting away with murder to co-workers. She had a history of dressing up as a clown. The employees at the local Publix and costume store immediately identified her on a police photo lineup, and most importantly, her relationship with Michael. While she was initially incarcerated, she was writing letters to Michael. In these letters, she stated that she truly thinks that she is innocent and that she knows that she won't be found guilty. Sheila ended up taking a plea deal and pleading guilty to second-degree murder. The deal calls for a 12-year sentence, but due to good behavior and significant errors in the way the detectives stored the evidence, Sheila is supposed to be released in September of 2025. And that is the case of the South Florida clown murder of 1990. I found this case just so insane and so interesting, and I would love to hear what you all think. You can find me on TikTok at true underscore 
crime underscore corner. Once again, I would love to hear your opinions, your thoughts, and let me know what case I should cover next. Thank you for listening.